I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Yes, we are here and of course, as always, very excited to review a film for you. And as always, my good friend and film reviewing compatriot, Callum is here, ready to dive into this week's edition. Callum, hello, how are you? How have you been in the last week? Good morning. Um... Very morning, well. yeah, we're yeah. doing morning yeah. recording this time, aren't we? You'll be able to hear the, the pep in our voices. Yeah, hear the hear the birds in the sky uh, rather than the owls at night. Exactly. Uh, yeah, good. Um, I'm a bit ill, actually, a bit under the weather. Um, That's not good. It's not It's not COVID. Um, I've done a lateral flow. You've got, to, you've got to say that now, haven't you? Like, yeah. Whenever you're feeling a little bit under the weather, you've got to say, it's not COVID. Um, so... Because obviously, you know, as we all know, COVID ceases to exist now. Exactly. Um, We're in a weird kind of time of what do you what do you say in that scenario? But but thank you for letting the audience uh, know that it's not COVID. I'm all right. I'm all right. Just feeling a bit sort of groggy, as it were. Well, it adds Lower a nice extra huskiness to the voice, which I think will really come through nicely on the microphone. It's the podcasting voice. Exactly. You'll is. get a bit more of that American uh, kind of like brokenness to the voice with the uh, vocal fry i think they call it which you get on vocal the uh, npr um <laughs> podcast so this might help us go global sonic literacy that's what it is exactly exactly i haven't, dropped, gonna, that, I haven't, I haven't dropped that phrase in a while <laughs> you're gonna have to have a code every week if um if this works out for us yeah well, i'll i'll just i'll just go around i'll start licking lampposts or something yeah, you'd be like um, in Friends when Phoebe is a, a better singer when she has a cold. Maybe you're a better podcaster when you have a little bit of a sniffle. We'll have to wait and see, see what the, <laughs> well, see what the listeners I say. Think that, yeah. I think that slides us in nicely to the next bit of the podcast. And of course, we've picked a film out. We were running on with the award seasons in the last few episodes, but we took a step back. We wanted to go for something a bit funky from nine years ago, I believe, if my dating is mm. correct on when this film was released. But without me teasing any further, I'm going to hand you over to our residence introducer, Callum, to let tell you about the film, Her. So Her is, well, is well directed, produced by, written, sorry, by Spike Jones um, in 2013. Stars Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. Phoenix's character is this sort of lonely, um, misanthropic, I guess, uh, person that's going through a divorce. Um, he's a bit depressed, sort of mopes around his, might add, very stylish apartment, mm, by the way. Very. Um, like, depart- like, apartment jealousy right there. Um, but he kind of mopes around his apartment, um, playing video games and things like that. Uh, but his job is that he composes letters um, for people who are unable to articulate how they feel to their partners, basically. So um, people will send him photographs of their uh, relationship, you know, where they've been, who they are as people, or how they interpret themselves as people. And then he has to interpret that relationship and write love letters to uh, the partners to make their relationship more fruitful i guess um and he ends up 
uh, getting this sort of artificial intelligence computer that's got an operating system that he can talk to through an earpiece, and he ends up developing this relationship with his computer. Sounds bizarre, um, but there's a lot of themes in there that I think relate to how we interpret the world today, um, particularly our relationship with technology in particular. Um, but yeah, he begins this relationship with his computer uh, whilst going through a divorce, and a lot of his friends are you know, kind of, what are you doing? It's an operating system. You can't, it's not a human being. Um, but he prerequisites by saying that the, the the operating system has been designed by loads of human beings together. They've put the Human beings have put their own emotions into making this operating system so this person can have a conversation and it feels like he's talking to an actual person. Um, it transpires that that, operates, that same operating system that he thinks he's having a relationship with is actually having a relationship with thousands and thousands of other people. Um, and he realize, he re- gets to a crippling realisation that um, he thought that he was uh, being intimate with someone, and actually he was being intimate with thousands of other people, and he didn't even realise it. So it's quite a dark movie in that respect. But it's all about sort of, you know, what is real, this idea of distorted realities. Um, how do you interpret, how do you... What, it, what does it mean to have an embodied experience within a relationship? It's a very, very uh, interesting film in that respect. Um, but we're going to delve into it. We sure are. We sure are. Thank you very much, Callum. And yeah, I think you've opened up the window there to a mass amount that is to discuss in this film. And we will try our best to dive into it. But straight away, I just want to say, I think it's a very clever and powerful bit of filmmaking. And what I love about this film... And what I love when a film achieves this is that it makes the viewer feel the emotion that the character in the film is feeling. So the main emotions that we really explore in this film from the lead character is, like you say, he's going through this weird scenario where he enters a relationship with a computer, an operating system, as it's referred to in this and we have all these bigger questions that go on to it of what is it to be human? What is it to be intimate or be in a relationship with someone? And whether what he has with this computer is a real relationship. Because then he starts questioning it back and forth with friends, with himself, with the computer as well. And it opens you up to all these ideas of, well what does then make us human? Which is always a great place to explore. And this is what sci-fi really delves into. And this has got a little bit of sci-fi elements to it without it being too out there and crazy. And this is why I think it captures the emotion so well. And he's trying to get his head around this idea of whether, even though she's not technically human, they can have a human connection. And I think what this does, it pushes him to his limits and his capacity of thought. And this is what we see kind of at the end, this idea of the computer develops beyond the realms of a human capacity and what a human can comprehend. And he hits his human capacity and learns a lot about himself and the human experience through it. But the journey of the viewer is very much that because you are trying to get to grips with this strange scenario that he's in and all the other que- all the other characters are questioning, is this a relationship? But at the same time, you're saying to yourself, 
well, what makes me human? What are the qualities that make me human? The emotion, the ability to understand and learn from someone else, the frustration of interacting with someone else, but then the yearning from getting satisfaction out of that connection. And that's exactly what he's getting through it. The only barrier then they realize is the physical, the lack of physical body to the computer. And obviously the limitations in that but when it comes down to it the way the film guides you and the conversations that they have suggest that well that's only a small part of the human existence is the physical form most of the human experience is actually what happens internally in the mind and if the mind is recreated then you've pretty much created recreated most of the human experience there and then that's what's frightening and that's what really hits you and that's why the film does hit that real dark point like you say Callum and this is why I probably say it is dystopian rather than utopian because it takes you in that direction and then you start thinking a lot about yourself and developing your own thoughts as does the character and in a way frees him at points because then he goes well no we are just our thoughts and when he accepts her as the same as him he is like okay I can enjoy this relationship for what it is and really dive into it because it's just two minds connecting but then when Samantha, the operating system, tells him that she's speaking to hundreds of others at the same time and having close relationships and tries to say, you can't understand this because that is beyond what a human can comprehend. It flips the beginning of the film because he is teaching her what it is to be human. But then she goes beyond that. And then that's the scary dark bit because we feel that in ourselves and it has that black mirror quality where it's just real enough where you can say i could see this happening with the technology we have especially with artificial intelligence and it blows your mind in the way that a space film does and sci-fi because you go wow there is a limit to our own human comprehension and there is a potential way of going beyond that and this is saying when it goes beyond that, we are left behind as humans. And it's essentially another view of when the robots become smarter than us, what happens? And this is in a very intimate way rather than in a world taking over robot way. But I think that's why in a way it's scarier and darker because it's very personal and it's playing with the strongest emotion of all, love, and how that can be played out in this scenario. So... To summarise my opening comments there, very, very powerful film and a unique take on a genre, which I think is why I really got some connection from it because it elicited big emotion in me as the viewer alongside the emotion that the main character was going through. Callum, I know I've just thrown a lot there, but I feel there's a lot to initially get out because it goes in a lot of places. What were your initial thoughts and reactions to it? There's a lot to dissect there, Marcus. There is a lot, isn't there? There is a <laughs> um, lot. I almost like, felt like the AI myself when I was uh, throwing all that out there. Um, yeah, interesting, really, because like it reminded me, this movie reminded me about what I was looking at when I did my, my master's, and it was all about sort of basically inhabited space and a virtual space in particular, but that space that's been created by a human being. So like when... Samantha and um, I can't remember these uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character's name now. Keep going, I'll find out. Yeah. Uh, once they meet, uh, he says, "This is ridiculous. Like, you can't understand me. I'm a human. You're an operating system." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then she says, 
well, actually, my, the operating system has been designed by the emotions of hundreds of developers. So all these different people have designed this operating system and they've put a piece of themselves, a piece of their humanity, a piece of their human emotion into this operating system. So the operating system has the ability to talk and discuss issues or life with thousands of people at once. Because if it was just one person designing an operating system, the, what, the limits of what the operating system could do would be very minimal. Um, whereas if you've got loads of people all injecting all these different sort of nuanced and variant variants of emotion into the system, then the system itself becomes something more. And that was what my master's was about. It was about this idea that, particularly with regards to studying history, like when we have these sort of virtualized historical environments, so like... Um, like virtual spaces, for example, you can walk through all like nineteenth century Chicago. You can, you know, all these like you can walk through what it was like in Viking in Viking Norway or whatever. Like, who creates that, and what 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 does that what impact does that have on our relationship with how we understand one another and how we understand the past? And there's a great quote from the movie. It says that the past is just a story we tell ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that idea of sort of questioning like what is real and how do you sort of under how do you interpret that sort of epistemology there like you know how do you interpret that um, idea that you're talking to an operating system but you think it's human like you think it's this thing that understands you and you know our smartphones tell us what we what we're thinking or at least they tell us what to think and how to think unfortunately like i mean whenever i have been having a conversation i remember saying this to you when we've been in the pub like whenever we had a conversation and then i go on social media i receive an advert for something that i've been talking about it's almost as if your phone is listening to what you're saying and this is why that i was saying the link feels just real enough like black mirror does to feel like it could happen and will happen well exactly it's rooted in that sort of that that sort of futuristic um out of this world scenario but the way technology operates now um it is so it's almost like the you know the it's the height the the hyper real has become the normal the norm and it got me thinking about sort of like william gibson's virtual light that idea that um technology reaches such a state of development that it's no it's no longer um out of reach like what of the, the the technology is not limited or capped and I think that's what um, this movie is suggesting. I mean, it plays with human emotion as well. It's a very emotional movie um, in the sense that he's going through quite a complex divorce. Um, and it's alluded to they're going through this divorce because of mental health issues. But then he's trying to make sense of who he is through a choreographed operating system. It's a fascinating movie. It really is. I think fascinating is a good word to describe it. And what you said there about when he's trying to justify the AI's humanity because it's been made up of the human inputs and elements of all the coders that have contributed to it. This is where it really gets fascinating for me because I'm quite intrigued by the idea of AI anyway and do a lot of thinking and reading and listening to stuff about it because it blows my mind quite a little bit and also the fact it's something that's actually actively being explored in the world. But again, what then parallels that and then makes it feel so real and scary is the fact that 
that's the justification for why the AI is human and real. But that is what makes us human anyway, isn't it? It's like we're made up of the inputs of hundreds of other people's thoughts, ideas, inputs, conversations, both mentally and physically. There's a great book called Cloud Atlas, a big novel, which is basically about that. It's based each uh, mini story in it explores a different time. Um, and the characters softly link together over the course of thousands of years. And the big suggestion of the book is that, yes, we go through all cycles of history, but we're all made up of the same, of each other, both literally from our cells regenerating. And we all have a bit of someone within us, but mentally is that our ideas, thoughts, emotions, and developments are made up of other people. So him describing why the AI is human because it's had the input from so many people. It's like, well, that's exactly the point because that's how we're made. And the more that line gets blurred, it's because the more you look into it and go, what makes a, a computer parallel to humanity? There's so many parallels because then we start describing them. We go, well, yeah, that's what makes us. Like our brain is made up of these things. So apart from our human shell, which is unique, there isn't that much of a difference, and I think that's the power of the film, both on that single issue of AI, but also that time, age-old question of what it is to make us human that sci-fi explores, that it digs into, but I think in a quite unique way. No, indeed, and also it reminded me of um, like what you said there about this idea of um, the AI being sort of hyper-intelligent, and it's modelled on a it's modelled on all sorts of things that have been created by other humans and like the the AI is growing and trying to understand its limits as a computer does um, but then the human being is trying to understand their limits as well and you remember, you, I remember you saying off, light, off mic that idea of you know the limits of your own internal capacity like the barrier of human consciousness that's created when you engage with things that are a little bit um that stretch your thinking i guess and it reminded me of um because it create what that does is it creates a space for interpretation because they're both trying to find out who they really are throughout the movie um and it reminded me of what um the late neil pert said from uh the band rush <laughs> nice. one of the lyric one of the lyrics is um the spaces in between leave room for you and i to grow and i think that you know mm. that, that that space that's created um as a result of this interaction between the AI and the human, it questions the capacity of what it is to be human and also what it means to actually have emotion as well. I, I mean, the, the the goalposts of what constitutes emotion in this movie is constantly changing um, because she's trying to understand human emotion, but she's understanding it through a, a, a computer system. A computer system is very scientific, in the way it in the way it operates, it's either right or it's wrong. Whereas that AI is trying to sort of embody some of the human nuances. You know, human beings don't necessarily what well, some people do, but I'd like to think that the majority don't see life as you know a, a combination of different. It's very fluid um, rather than just seeing life in black and white. Whereas a computer tends to see things quite scientifically, I guess. And she's trying to understand what it means to be human and what it means to feel. Which is why there's all those sort of like really awkward um, 
virtual sex scenes that made me uh, when they were on I, w- I wanted the couch to swallow me up it's very awkward yeah. isn't it and it's supposed yeah. to be awkward isn't yeah it? but is it, that like, ties in so much what i was saying is that i think the film really succeeds in making the audience feel the emotion um that the characters feel at the time and it's very weird uncomfortable surreal and puts you in a strange place but that's the point and i think a successful film does that to you but absolutely, yeah, you are in the couch to swallow you up because it it's weird. It's so visceral as well. And I think there's something yeah. to be said for the audio element of that. And I'm just going to touch upon that quickly now from a filmmaking perspective. I thought it was a real success of the film was that medium of just having the audio element, mainly through Samantha, the AI, but from the other conversations he has um, through other, with other people is that that's quite powerful because it adds extra strength to that, what's being said within those audio pieces, because you're not looking at an actor for those bits. You're just listening to them. Hey, the strength of a podcast, as we know, is that you're just listening. (laughs) You're very focused on the words and the nuances of that. And that's why I think that worked from a filmmaking perspective, because it allowed you to emphasize more of that. And it's weird at points then, because you were listening in the film rather than watching certain things, and that's why it plays with your emotions even more. Really powerful. Um, so I got a lot from that. But just picking up now what you were saying in terms of what we discussed off mic about challenging the the kind of expanse of what you can think of, like the limits of our own con- internal capacity is a big theme of the film. And as, well, the real joy of sci-fi when I think about it is that it is really joyous because there's humanity to sci-fi because what it does is look beyond our capacity as humans and makes our day-to-day problems and strife seem trivial but this is why in sci-fi you have utopian and dystopian because you can go in one of two directions with that you can go utopian and think you know what our day-to-day struggles are meaningless there's so much more to us there's so much more capacity to us as humans and there's bigger things out there that those things should and can be put aside for us to experience the the human um experience even more but then often goes the other way because then we look at it in the frightening way of wow there are so much more there's so much more out there and there are limits to our own understanding that we'll never be able to get there and we are limited and that's why we do steer inward and bad and negative things happen. And within this film, we have both dystopian and utopian elements. When he feels that freeing element that sci-fi puts forward of, you know what, the small things don't matter. I'm freed when he accepts Samantha as his equal. And when they are at a point where they're equal, he just sees the joys in life. They go in that trip away together where he's talking around different places she's writing music and they're looking at life and going look at the human joys there but then when the crushing element of her introducing that sci-fi element of there's a limit to our own human understanding we'll hit that limit and that'll be frustrating for us and we'll fire us inwards once again that's when it goes dystopian because he feels the crippling pain of that and the film ends in that way up for debate of what actually happens at the end of the film, but they both try and free themselves of something, but they realise that they've hit a 
a wall in their human experience. So it turns out his friend has also been dating an AI and they both understand where they, they're at together. And they kind of say, I've developed something as myself through an external thing that is greater than I. Where do we go from here? The suggestion yeah. is at the end That's that good. they both killed themselves because they've hit a limit. It is open to interpretation. I'm not sure what I think on that. But what... I'm trying to say here is that that is the age-old joy of sci-fi's, the dystopian and utopian, because we understand there's things bigger than ourselves, so our trivial day-to-day problems are so small and insignificant, but it goes in one of two directions, and this film shows both of those directions, which I think is fascinating and powerful and has really reconnected with that genre again because I think that's something that's very relevant to the time and can be something that we can learn and take from a lot as the audience, which is the power of film and should be what film is doing. No, indeed. Absolutely. I mean, I think um, that idea of the ending, I think, is really really interesting because that that idea of you've, you've reached your ultimate that you've reached the human condition i think actually i was going to say something about um uh the suicide aspect but i don't i don't know i don't think i don't know if they do i don't know if it does lead to that i think when she says um you'll know when you get there because he has that crippling when he's because he when he's just uh coming into the subway he has that crippling realization that she's talking to eight thousand other people and then he asks are you in love with them as well and she says i'm in love with 600 of them um and it's like it questions that idea of you know what does it mean to be human in a conventional sense of the term um you know it it does it does raise questions about how the human condition is limited and i think when she says oh you'll know when you get there at first, I did think, oh, you know, the only way you're ever going to reach this uh, human condition is if you die, because nobody knows what it's like when you die. Yeah. Therefore, therefore, that's the next logical step to reach something new, reach, have something more, something mm-hmm. out of this world to die, basically. It feels um, too easy, that ending, doesn't it? It does, it does. And I think what... Um, what it mean when when they go up to the the roof um and they say you know will you come with me maybe they're going to go on this self this sort of self reflective reflective journey about what it means yeah, to live yeah yeah so maybe know. they're kind of like it's more representative of them thinking on a higher plane like maybe, almost enlightenment yeah. they have yeah, so here we yeah. go here we go try this <laughs> for here the size here we go um <laughs> so throughout the film Different people or groups of people are looking towards an external power greater themselves to get understanding of their own emotions, thoughts, feelings, existence. From the small level of the customers of the letter writing company who are asking someone more articulate than themselves to express their own emotions within their relationships to... um, the main characters looking towards an AI to find clarity in their own human existence a higher power to help them understand their own human nature that's a very religious thing that's an age-old classic of 
trying to find something bigger than ourselves to explain our own human questions, which at, at time-aged questions, we all have these same questions of existence, always have done. We've always looked for a higher power to get there. So in this film, and the suggestion in the future is that computers, AI, are the replacement of religion to give us that higher yeah. power, but are actually definitely, definitely. super intelligent forms of ourselves that can maybe actually give us answers, not just something to look towards, but take the height of human emotion, develop it, and then throw it back to us to help us understand ourselves. So maybe the end of the film, as you saying, is them learning from this higher power, not just yearning towards it, actually learning from it, and they find themselves on this higher plane of, again, enlightenment, which is a historical thing people have looked for. But in the film, they found enlightenment from an actual higher power that has explained to them from looking at them researching them adopting their mindset of humanity and then going this is humanity as it should be now go forward and run with it yeah definitely i i didn't necessarily i always I, when the film was when i was watching the movie i was definitely thinking they're trying to find access to something um more um spectacular to explain their human condition i didn't think of it in those terms though that sort of that historical comparisons mm-hmm. the religiosity because i think i think you're absolutely right i mean you know particularly in the, in the 19th and 20th centuries like capitalism was compared capitalism mm-hmm. was the new religion you know talked about sort of like you know the shopping malls the sort of cathedrals of consumption and all this sort of stuff like and i think now we're living in an age where technology um or oh yeah it, it is replacing that that sort of that those religious um uh about those those, those 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 religious boundaries i think um those religious veins there is a very really interesting i think is it technology or is it or is it capitalism or is that an art is that a conversation for another another time i think I it know. might be i think that's a nice yeah, one yeah. to leave the tease with yeah. let the listeners have a little <laughs> think about that but yes there's a lot to be said there and kind of what is our future religion in a way. And yeah. that film poses it very nicely. Let's slide that into the outro now, Callum, because I think we've Let's, really yeah. dived into some stuff. I've enjoyed getting my teeth into that film, some big themes and questions in there. Um, but let's round it off. Let's round it off. So I'll give my summary now. As I said at the beginning, I loved this as a piece of filmmaking visually we touched upon how it was great i like how it presented a kind of sci-fi world without it being too ridiculous that it felt unbelievable but it had that black mirror quality where there was a bit of truth and real life in it that felt that you could connect to to this futuristic world and existence it looked great as well there was a setting and callum as you said he loved his outfits and his clothes it's quite quirky and cool and it was a very good set designs as well like the place he worked i liked the look there all very nice from a filmmaking perspective but a great twist on sci-fi genre um looking to bigger things for us to think about but grounded in the very personal experience big questions brought to the heart of the biggest emotion of love and intimacy but that then between something that is a computer and then questioning what elements of that parallel with a human a lot of classic questions from sci-fi but done i think in a very effective way and as you said callum 
a lot of times in the film you're made to feel uncomfortable, but a very viscerally emotive film. Different to the emotions we felt last episode talking about Colder, where they were free-flowing, mm. like kind of joyous emotions. These were really deep, inward-looking emotions, which I think were very powerful and captured really well. So I'm going to give her 9 out of 10. Just doesn't make the 10 because hey, you've got to be very, very special to get there. And like I say, some of the scenes, even though it was a very minimalist film, so you sometimes may have wanted a little bit extra in there, maybe some bigger performances. And also, there was a bit of repetition with kind of set and things like that, for example, with the video games was used quite a lot. Maybe a little bit more expansive on that front. I think overall, what a great film, um, mainly for what it makes you question and think and feel. So, yes, 9 out of 10. Callum, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, I agree. Um, it makes you think about lots of questions about what it means to weigh on what is reality, this idea of distorted realities, I guess. Um, like you said, the limits of your own internal capacity and that idea that human consciousness is limited. Um, and, and how do you reach that next stage of human consciousness? What does it, what does it actually mean to live when your life is being choreographed by uh, a machine that's also been designed by hundreds of other humans. Um, there's a, it's very meta, and that's what I liked about the film um, in that respect. I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 as well. Um, really good movie. Makes you think. It was funny as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what I could do to give it 10 out of 10, really. I mean, that's that's a huge cop-out as for a... For a uh, a film analysis really like if you can't think of what if you can't think of a reason why to give it 10 you should just give it 10 but i think um it could have maybe done a little bit more with um it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if once the operating system had updated if he'd then gone on to do like have a relationship with another ai or whether he would have gone i would have quite liked to have seen that sort of reflective journey Okay. after it had ended and I think that could have been done if like you say you'd cut out some of those video game sequences and the bit when they go yeah I think and yeah I think I think maybe some a little bit more reflection or maybe the purpose of the film is to make you reflect rather than the film tell you how to reflect so yeah that's my closing remarks thank you Callum thank you Sorry. very much thank you for your reflections on the reflecting nature of the film but there we have it, another film reviewed. Thank you very much, Callum. That was our review of her. Thoroughly enjoyed that, as you can tell, threw ourselves into it. And hey, maybe we should do mornings more because I really felt the energy coming through as well <laughs> in what was a very exciting chat. But hey, we will be back. Don't you worry, plenty more films for us to dive into. We maybe even get a sneaky cinema trip in very soon. We've discussed a few that we want to check out. But for the listeners, thank you, everyone, for listening, continuing your support. Keep watching films. That's what we love. That's what you guys love. There's plenty of great ones out there at the minute. And go through the back catalogue of the Glacé Film Club podcast. If you've watched any of them recently, you want to hear the review, they're all back there, plenty across Spotify and Apple. But Callum, thank you once again. I will see you for a great conversation on the next episode. But until then, thank you for listening and we'll see you all later. Bye-bye.